Welcome to Know Your Rights with Ellen Firestone. Through this podcast series, you'll become educated on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and gain practical knowledge on how to apply what you learn in daily life. Listen and learn about each of the 30 articles and actions you can take to help promote and protect these human rights for yourself and others. Here's your host, United for Human Rights Ambassador and President's Volunteer Service Award recipient, Ellen Firestone. What's going on, guys? Greg here, and you are tuned in to Know Your Rights with Ellen Firestone. Today, we are going to go over Article 20. Ellen, why don't you tell them about Article 20? Thanks, Greg. So Article 20 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights has two parts. One, everyone has the right to freedom of peaceful assembly and association. And two, no one may be compelled to belong to an association. So today we are lucky to have with us Diane Stein, who is president of the Citizens Commission of Human Rights of Florida. Diane accepted a leadership role at the Florida chapter in 2015. Since that time, she's worked to help restore human rights to the field of mental health and especially in the area of short-term emergency commitment. Thanks, Diane, for being with us today. Before we get into this human right on Article 20, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization? Absolutely. I have been leading the chapter here in the state of Florida since February of 2015. And our organization is a mental health watchdog, meaning that we investigate and expose abuses within the mental health industry. We also work to enlighten people, raise their awareness on key issues such as uh, psychiatric drug side effects, their rights underneath the law, and we hold seminars and workshops along those lines as well. Great. So what do you see as the importance and power of this particular article of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights? Well, this particular right is so incredibly important that, you know, our founding fathers, they made it very clear. It's like First Amendment, here you go, peaceful assembly, and, you know, very strong language, like right there, because, you know, when they left Europe to come here and found this country, a great many of them were fleeing persecution for trying to speak out on what they believed, whether it was politics, religion, you know, just issues in the society. So the ability for a population to make their voice heard through assembly is incredibly valuable to society. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And how have you personally used this human right in your organization? That's a good question. We, as an organization, regularly hold uh, demonstrations to bring attention to issues such as electric shock and the fact that it's still being done, not just done to adults, but children as well as pregnant women. Oh, wow. Uh, Issues, yeah, I know. You know, there are some states that, you know, are electroshocking children, like in the, we're talking the five years old oh my kind of age bracket. Yeah, like 16 states here in the United States, as well as psychiatric drugs. You know, we have 7.2 million children just in the United States that are being prescribed very dangerous psychiatric drugs that carry side effects such as suicide, suicidal ideation, homicide, homicidal ideation, aggression, violence. And parents don't necessarily know all of these side effects because they aren't given true informed consent. So Mm -hmm. these type of issues, we like to hold demonstrations to raise awareness and bring attention to the fact that uh, people do have rights, there are abuses being committed, and laws need to be either amended or put in place that prevent this abuse and hold those individuals and facilities accountable if an abuse does occur. 
another way that our organization has effectively used uh, peaceful assembly is with regards to the mental health law here in Florida, which is called the Baker Act. It's called the Baker Act because it's named after the politician who pushed the legislation through in the 1970s, Maxine Baker. So the Baker Act allows for involuntary examination and commitment of every individual in the state, no matter their age. So from the moment you're born until the moment you die, if you're here visiting on vacation, this law applies to you. And the involuntary examination criteria, which were designed to protect people from abusive use of involuntary commitment, unfortunately has become a source of uh, great human rights abuse in that you have children who are being sent for involuntary examination from their school in handcuffs in a police car and taken to a psychiatric facility without the parent even knowing that the child has left the campus. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And in Florida in 2018, which is the most recent statistics available, there were 36,000 involuntary examinations on children, the youngest age group being two to five. So we're not talking just rebellious teenagers, you know, making Mm -hmm. some sort of threat. We are talking about seven-year-olds who have a temper tantrum and say they wish their teacher would drink hand sanitizer and they get Baker Acted, meaning they get taken in a police car to a psychiatric facility and held. And using demonstrations, along with other educational means, we have been able to bring enough attention to this matter to effectively make changes to the legislation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So far, we actually helped pass or amend the law so that parents had to be told at all because they didn't have to be told, like, at all. So the parent would find out, like, when the kid didn't come home from school. Oh my God. Right. They didn't get off the school bus. They have no idea where their child is. The school's closed. It was a disaster. So we're like, okay, you have to at least tell the parent. It's like chipping away at an iceberg, right? Mm-hmm. And then instead of being able to hold the child for 72 hours, we have got that reduced down to 12 hours. So they have to actually make the determination if the child is truly a threat to self or others within 12 hours versus 72. Mm-hmm. That was another major, major step. And then our most recent demonstrations have involved parental rights and bringing parents back into the process. And fingers crossed, we have uh, multiple pieces of legislation right now in the state of Florida that would prevent children from being taken off campus for a Baker Act uh, without parental, basically, approval, the parents being involved in the process. If the parent feels that the child should go to a psychiatric facility, then that's the parent's choice uh-huh. versus, you know, the what we have right now, which is 36,000 examinations happening and parents really, for the most part, playing no role in it whatsoever. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Well, can you also share some ways that you have seen this particular human right being violated? Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, just the other day, I was reading about what's going on in India. Mm -hmm. And in India, you have university protests going on. They are protesting things that they feel would affect their citizenship and maybe possibly result in discrimination against certain religious segments. And these students are being like fired at like bullets, like people going missing and assault. And yeah, it's, you know, and that's like 2020 here in this quote unquote modern age that we live in. And there in India, these students are risking their lives literally in order to make their voice heard. And they're not allowed to peacefully assemble. Right. Wow. Yes, I was talking to Greg here at the studio just before we we started, 
and you know was mentioning how how much thought went into this document and the the fact that the founders or the writers of this document thought enough to to talk about that we need a right to be able to think what we want to think, say what we want to say, and this idea of peaceful assembly to get the word out to others so that they are aware of some of the things that that are happening that they may not be aware of. So can you also share some ways that you've seen this human right being executed effectively locally and around the world? Sure. I mean, here in uh, Florida, we have had quite a few, I guess you would call them peaceful assemblies, but it's more along the lines of a large group of individuals going up to the state capitol to speak out on issues. The one uh, that I most recently witnessed on the subject of parental rights and the rights of parents to make decisions involving health care, mental health care, education, et cetera, versus being dictated to by the government as far as, you know, what are you going to do? You know, your child has to have a mandatory vaccination or a mandatory mental health screening or, you know, has to study something in school that is against their religious beliefs. Right. So at this point, can you give some actions or recommendations, ways individuals and organizations, things they can do to promote and or protect this human right? Sure, absolutely. Well, number one, people need to realize that if there is a group of individuals that are assembling in a peaceful manner to bring attention to an issue that they don't agree with, that they have that right, Mm -hmm. and they should not want to stop that right. Uh, They may not agree with the people's, you know, opinion on that. So first and foremost, they need to realize it's not just their right, it's all of ours rights, right? right? Mm -hmm. So you may not necessarily agree with everyone. But you definitely need to agree with the fact that they have that right. Number two, a demonstration does not have to be thousands of people. I have seen uh, mothers who were looking for additional time, you know, for their kids, like leave from work, just a handful standing on street corners, you know, holding up signs, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have seen individuals work to raise teachers' salaries, you know, going up in small groups, you know, like 20 people, mm-hmm. you know, so it doesn't have to be a large a large demonstration. So don't think that your voice won't be heard if it's just you, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's just you and your friends. It's like, if there's an issue that's important to you and you want to bring attention to it, definitely do it. I mean, it's like, take the time, make the signs, you know, mm-hmm. find a place. If you need a permit, get the permit you know, and then hold the demonstration, mm-hmm. right? Hold the hold the assembly. It's amazing how impactful something like that can be. And if you're going to do it and you think it's an important enough issue, make sure the media knows about it because maybe they'll want to cover it. Right. Yes. Uh, you brought up some really great points. And, you know, the idea that everyone has the right to, to express themselves and to, if there is an issue that they, they want to get the word out about, to have this peaceful assembly. And like you said, other people may not agree, but they do need to recognize that person has the right, just as they have the right to disagree. You know, no one can be compelled to to join the assembly or, or to belong to an association that's also part of this human right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that, that really is key. You know, it's sometimes difficult, especially if you're very passionate about a particular subject, to allow any other viewpoint to exist. But if you can agree on anything, you should be able to agree on the fact that we all have rights. Yes. Diane, thank you so much for effectively using this human right and for all you do. Just one one quick thing I was wondering as you were describing this, uh, is Florida mm-hmm. the only state that has this 
law or Gosh, I wish I could say yes to that, but unfortunately, every state in the United States has involuntary examination and commitment laws. They differ from state to state. Mm-hmm. Uh, some states have much worse involuntary examination laws. Um, there are states where there's no time limit set for what that examination period is. Like here, we have 72 hours. Texas, I believe, is 48, you know, but there are states that have none. There are some states that have two weeks, meaning they can hold you for two weeks. And mm-hmm. These laws apply to children as well. One of the things that we're finding as we're looking across the country on this particular subject, which is more commonly known as short-term emergency commitment, Uh is that when legislators were passing these laws, they weren't thinking with kids in general. Mm -hmm. Um, They were just thinking with, you know, if there's an individual in crisis and they're a danger to themselves or a danger to others, we need to have a means by which to remove them from that immediate situation and get them help. But these laws, unfortunately, that's, you know, that's a lot of power to give to any one particular group of individuals. And Mm -hmm. that group of individuals, you know, the psychiatric profession, because they don't really have any tests to determine if somebody's mentally ill, and they have repeatedly stated they actually don't know how to tell if somebody is going to be violent, and their suicide risk assessment process doesn't work. I mean, 40 years of research has proven not only do they not know who's going to commit suicide, but these tests might actually increase the risk of suicide because the person, instead of getting help, is just getting boxes checked off on a piece of paper and then having a script written. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something that people aren't aware of. Trust me, when I started this campaign five years ago here in Florida, I had never met a parent who knew that their child could go to school in the morning and not come home that afternoon because they were now in a psychiatric facility. They had no clue. Wow. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for raising the awareness around this issue and, again, using this human right so effectively. Well, Anything else I you think, want to you know... I do. I do. I mm-hmm. think that it's very important that people know not just this human right, but all of their human rights and that they understand what that means to them and to mm-hmm. those around them and work to get these out broadly so that everyone knows that these exist and uh, they are there for the creation of, in my opinion, communities where we can all work together to solve the problems that we're facing. Right. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Diane. Thanks so much for for being here and for all the work that you're doing. An absolute pleasure. Thank you, Ellen, for inviting me onto the show and uh, for everything you do to make the human rights more accessible to all of us. Thank you for listening to Know Your Rights with Ellen Firestone. To learn more, visit thefirestone.org.